Welcome to the Semper Reformatic Podcast, spreading the word and contending for the faith. Well, today we want to look at verse 17 in particular. And it simply says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love. Last week, we considered verse 16, where Paul prays for the Ephesians, and he prays that the Ephesian believers would be strengthened with might in the inner man. And we tried to discover what that meant. How our inner being, our spirit, our soul, our personality, our psyche, our heart, our emotions, our will, our mind, how everything that makes us who we are makes me, me, and you, you. We try to understand how that is more important than the outward physical body, which is very quickly perishing. While the inward aspects of our being, the really important parts, are being built up continually and will endure forever. And we find out why we need to have that inward aspect of our lives made stronger. Because of the danger of falling into despair. Because of difficult or discouraging circumstances. Because of the deliberate attempts overt and covert that we have to influence our minds that goes on in this world to persuade us to conform to this world's values. We need to be strengthened in the inner man because of the satanic activity that is directed towards us and of course because of the spiritual weakness of our own hearts. And finally, last time we needed, we observed that in order to obtain this spiritual inner strength, we simply have to ask the Lord, for he's already strengthening us through the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. There is an abundant free provision of this strengthening grace. Now we come to verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, and that ye being rooted and grounded in love. Let's look at this business of Christ dwelling in your heart. As Paul's prayer progresses, we discover that the end purpose, the goal of our being mightily strengthened, is that Christ will dwell in your heart by faith. And yet these Ephesians are already saved. They are believers. They have already Christ dwelling in their hearts. Why would Paul then pray that Christ would dwell in their hearts? Martin Lloyd-Jones here says, This indwelling should be thought of differently from the sealing of the Holy Spirit that all believers experience when they are saved and regenerated. This experience of the indwelling of Christ is one that comes when Christians seek to, seek to cultivate deep and abiding love for Christ and his word. It is not a one-time experience or action, but should continue through the life of all believers. So, one of the dangers we can fall into here when we're 
preaching the gospel, and especially when we're talking to children. As we can use the phrase, and you probably have heard this more times than enough, where somebody's been taking a Sunday school class or a children's meeting, or they have been talking to a, a, a gospel meeting, and they have tried to bring their message to an end by saying to the boys and girls or to the people gathered, now you have to ask Jesus to come into your heart. Have you heard that? You have to ask Jesus to come into your heart. When I was a teenager, around 16 or so, and I was drafted into doing Sunday school at church, one of the first things I was told was that we should never ever use the phrase to children, let Jesus come into your heart. And yet it's common. And you sing it in hymns. Have you any room for Jesus, he who bore your load of sin? As he knocks and asks admission, sinner, will you let him in? Room for Jesus, king of glory, hasten now his word obey. Swing the heart's door widely open and bid him enter while you may. You'll hear it all the time. And you'll hear it along with the common misinterpretation of Revelation 3 and 20, which says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me, completely disregarding the fact that Jesus says that to Christians, not to unbelievers. To command to the church. You're listening to the Semper Reformata podcast with Bob McAvoy. When we come to Christ, it is a response to the drawing and the effectual call of God the Holy Spirit through conviction of sin that produces repentance and faith to believe in him. We do not invite Jesus into our heart. Rather, what happens is that God's Holy Spirit, the third person of the triune God, indwells the believer. Look at what it says in verse 16. It tells us that we are to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. The Holy Spirit is indwelling us. And it is because of that that Christ dwells within our heart. I'm glad that I learned that fairly early on in my Christian life. One day, my father, who was a great one for mocking Christianity and would do so regularly on a large day when I came home from church. One day uh, I arrived back and he started talking about the, the Lord Jesus Christ and how do you know he's alive and how do you know he's living today? And my mother sort of defended me and poked me in the chest and she said, oh, he lives within your heart. And I was about 16 at the time. And I said, no, he dwells in heavenly splendor, seated. He's the man in the glory. What's in my heart is the Holy Spirit, who is the third person of the Trinity, and we cannot separate the Trinity. Now just think about that for a moment. It is through God the Holy Spirit that Jesus, God the Son, dwells in our hearts. All right, that needs some consideration. Think about that. Think about it in the context of the Trinity. Think about the Almighty God. 
The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of ancient Israel, the God of heaven and earth, the God that we read about in Psalm 95, the God who created this world, the high places and the low places, the God who is everywhere, the God who is thrice holy, is indwelling the sinful heart of a frail mortal man or woman. That in itself is beyond our comprehension. Is there any wonder in verse 18? In chapter 1, rather, in verse 18, uh, Paul pleads with the Ephesians that, that their eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. That they would know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the state and saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to those who believe according to the working of his mighty power can you grasp for a moment that in believing in the Lord Jesus in having Christ dwelling in your hearts through the work of the Holy Spirit that the triune God who is almighty, is dwelling within you. And the result of that is that we will understand and appreciate his love. For it is only because of God's love that he indwells us. And so, in verse 19, Paul talks about knowing the love of Christ. But let's not go that far just at the moment. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. So through love, God indwells us. But what do we mean by love? We know that God loves us, his people. We know that because God loved us with unconditional love, we are to love others also. First John 4 and 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. We love him because he first loved us. But in this passage, the love that's being talked about is not specifically the love that God has for us in sending his son to die for us. It is the love that we have in our hearts in response to what God has done. Martin Lloyd-Jones notes that Paul does not write here rooted and grounded in God's love, just rooted and grounded in love. It's the love we have for God and the love that we have for others. Luke chapter 10 and verse 27, Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. It's not just a temporary love. The word dwell here in the Greek indicates a permanent dwelling, not just a temporary one, not caravan. It's not a hut or a tent or an encampment. It's your permanent home. Our, our hearts are to be the permanent home of love 
for God and for our neighbours. He's to be indwelling us permanently. Now, if we haven't got that love, we ought to look at our spiritual experience and say, is God really indwelling us through the presence of the Holy Spirit? Do we have Christ within us? If we haven't got that love. That's why we read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Where Paul warns about this. And he tells us. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels. And do not have love dwelling in my heart. Because of Christ indwelling there. Then I am become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. In other words you're just all outward talk. Just all blatter and clatter. And then he says, and if I have the gift of prophecy, if I'm the greatest preacher ever, if I have all knowledge, if you're a theological genius, if you have a doctorate of divinity, and you have all faith, if you're one of these people who can do great faith-filled works, and you haven't got love in dwelling your heart for God and for your neighbor, then you're just false. You're nothing, says Paul. And if you're the kindest person in the world, if you give all your goods to feed the poor, go on, sell your house and your car and all your possessions and give all your money to feed people who have nothing. And maybe then when you give your body to be burned through being a martyr and you haven't got that love for God and love for your fellow man, then it is of no profit to you whatsoever. Paul being very, very adamant that without love for God and our neighbour, then everything that we do is a waste of time. Every true believer will have experienced God's love in forgiveness. And that love should be dwelling in our heart, for God is love. If God is indwelling me, then love in its purest form should be in there. And that love should issue in love for our maker, our God and our neighbour. Let's look at the result of this. Because Paul tells us here in verse 17 that we are to be rooted and grounded in love. Paul loves metaphors, doesn't he? He's using two. One from agriculture, or rather horticulture, and one from architecture, from building. And he's telling us here that love makes us like a tree. That's interesting. Um, if you look at it, it says that you may be rooted in love. Trees have roots. Not many people have roots. Not many Cars have roots, not many houses, trees have roots. So he's telling us that love, the love of God indwelling us, that love that we have for God and our neighbour, it is like uh, making us like a tree. And of course that's not the first time that believers have been likened to being like a tree because that psalm that we sang at the beginning of the service, Psalm 1, tells us that the believer, the one who meditates upon God's law, the one who walketh not astray in counsel of ungodly men, or stands in the sinner's way, he shall be like a tree that grows near planted by a river, which in his season yields his fruit, and his leaf fadeth never. 
like a tree. Trees are pretty immovable, aren't they? Used to be in the 60s, when they were having these protests, various places, they would sing, we shall not, we shall not be moved, just like a tree that's planted by the river, we shall not be moved. A few years ago, I had to go on a speed awareness course. It's the one time that I ever had to go on one. It's the only time I've ever been caught speeding. That's the only time I was speeding. But I was trying to follow a wedding car up out of Newton Ards and accidentally went over the speed limit by a few miles an hour and the 40 mile an hour limit. And I got called in to do one of these speed awareness courses. And the instructor mentioned uh, when he was taking it, he said, now if you're going to crash your car and you have an option, crash into a wall, don't crash into a tree. There's a possibility the wall might collapse. There's a possibility the bricklayer might be incompetent. But if you hit a tree, it's not going to move. The tree's not going to give way to you. The tree has roots. And the roots are down. Trees are immovable. And Paul's liking us here to those roots. Those who have God's love indwelling them and who are experiencing that love, they will be those who are rooted in love. They will be grounded in love. They will endure to the end. We shall not be moved. And trees draw up water through their roots. That's why the psalmist talks about a tree planted by a river, not planted out in a desert. Water keeps them alive. Trees rooted in love will thrive, drawing upon the well of salvation and trees are a blessing to us we ought to know that we need more trees don't we trees here's a basic lesson for you trees suck up carbon dioxide CO2 the gas that we breathe out and they convert it into oxygen that we breathe in if you want to help the planet plant more trees not about paying more taxes about planting more trees in July 2023 a Scottish member of parliament member of the SNP Scottish National Party alleged that almost 16 million trees have been chopped down on publicly owned land in Scotland to make way for wind farms they want to save the planet and they're cutting down trees we need trees. Trees are a blessing. In more ways than one. Trees produce fruit, according to the psalmist. Trees always are a blessing to us. The heart that is rooted in love is like a tree. That heart in its love towards its neighbor will be a fruitful Christian life, bearing fruit for the Lord. Love makes us rooted and also grounded like a building the word grounded here could equally be translated founded without violating the tax Paul's alluding to a foundation a foundation upon which a building would be erected he's already used this metaphor look back at chapter 2 for a moment chapter 2 and verse 20 and he talks about the church 
and he says that the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God. There you have it again. God indwelling the believer and the church through the Spirit. Foundation determines the shape of a building. You don't lay the foundation, nice square foundation, and then build the building away off to the side of it. That'd be foolish. Build the foundation determines what the building's going to look like. And if you are rooted and grounded in love, then you will have the appearance that God is indwelling you. People will see Christ living in you. And it will shape the whole life of the Christian believer and fashion us into a building fit for God to live in. A holy temple of worship. So verse 17. We learn that Christ is dwelling in our hearts. And we see in, when we connect that to the context in verse 16. That that is the work of the Holy Spirit. It is God, the triune God, indwelling us. And because God is love, love indwells us. And that requires a response. And that response is to love God and our neighbour as ourself. And that in itself will cause us to become more Christ-like as we draw from that love. That love is the soil in which our roots are planted and our foundation is laid. The love of God indwelling us. So we are continually growing, continually becoming more fruitful, blessing others, being built up, becoming more like Jesus, as we are rooted and grounded in love, responding to the love of Christ for us, worked out in our love and our compassion for others. The evidence of the reality of our Christian experience is that love. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please help to make it better known by opening the podcast app on your phone or mobile device. Then, search for The Semper Reformata Podcast. Subscribe and give it a 5-star rating. See you next time.